I mean, mm-hmm. I love my father to death. But honestly, I spent more time with Lyle alongside of him than I did my own father. Mm-hmm. My dad was off working. I was working with Lyle. It was every morning. It was every after lunch. It was every evening. So he was almost kind of also a father figure. He, he was a father figure. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Well, welcome back to the Real Food, Real People podcast. This week, we're going to talk about what really goes into running a big red raspberry farm, a family farm, but not our guest's farm. He was hired by the family that started the farm, and he he really lets us kind of inside his head on what drives him and the things that he loves about his work and how he approaches working with people. It's the first part of two parts of the conversation with Juan Garcia. He's the farm manager at Raider Farms in Linden, Washington. And interestingly, this is all about growing red raspberries. That's the kind of farm that I grew up on, too. And in fact, the farm that he manages is basically right next to, or at least has fields right by and near the farm that I grew up on, my dad's farm. So I've kind of known Juan, or at least you know knew, knew who he was for a long time. But I guess that's what I love, though, about getting to do this podcast is it, it gives me a, an excuse to really get to know people like Juan, even from my own community, and find out. Man, there's so much more to his story than I ever knew. And and some of that starts to come out this week. Um, a lot more of that will also come out next week. Uh, and I'll tell you more about that later. Um, some pretty amazing things that happened during the conversation that we had. Um, but uh, this first part just sets the whole table uh, for what will come in part two, explaining what he does, how he does it, how he approaches it, and how he came to be not only hired, but really taken in as part of this farm family, the Raider family. So enjoy the conversation this week with Juan Garcia and enjoy the chance to get to see what really goes on in producing those delicious Washington state grown red raspberries that you can get at, at the store. I mean, when you just eat the fruit, you think, wow, this is amazing. But when you hear about all of these people and what they're doing to produce that and bring that to you, it becomes that much more incredible. So we're thankful that you're here for this week on the real food, real people podcast. Growing up, did you do farming? I mean, is that in your background? Actually, not at all. Um, I was born in South Texas, and I grew up in Dallas. Mm. Went to high school all the way, all my high school years up in Dallas. And mom and dad, mom worked at a cafeteria at the middle school, and dad worked construction his entire life. So I was exposed a little bit to the construction field, but not the farming. It was uh, when the folks moved up north to do the migrant work, I stayed in Dallas two years. I was probably 17, 17 years old. So I can do it on my own. So I stayed there two years. And uh, mom and dad and the brothers came and did. They cut asparagus. They uh, picked strawberries. 
harvested hops, which actually the following year I ended up doing. So mm. we did everything from cutting asparagus, hops, uh, hauled potatoes, onions, uh, strawberries. And uh, it was my first year up here, and we lived in the – it was a trailer park for Green Giant in Pasco, Washington. And uh, I met my wife there. Well, she was, she was at the door, and I was walking by. And Anyways, that's where I met – ended up meeting her and ended up following her to Linden. Mm. We were uh, handpicking raspberries in the east side of Linden and did strawberries down in LaConnor. And walked into the Raider office one morning and asked if there was work because I knew my wife, my girlfriend at the time, worked there. So I met Sue Raider. Mm. And uh, if anyone that knows Sue knows that uh, she's always willing to help people out with work, opportunity. And um, was offered a job, I believe it was the same day. She told me to come back tomorrow. So I started working there. Worked, um, it was two seasons for the Raiders, and uh, was offered full-time work the second year. So what kind of work were you doing for them at that time? Um, back then, we were uh, we were unloading harvesters. We had that old red one-ton that we still have, <laughs> <laughs> and we would have to unload the machines before they crossed the center road, which doesn't happen anymore. So we were picking raspberries. I got into a little bit of fertilizing with him. He had some babies planted behind the processing plant. And got my feet wet and in raspberries at that time. But we had already had commitments before that. We were doing, like I said, we were hauling potatoes, agri-northwest, east of Washington. We did um, apples uh, up in the Tenasket area. We picked apples. I mean, I've stacked fruit in the cold storages uh, by the hour and then making bins by piecework on the off time. But uh, the whole migrant, fam- uh, the whole migrant moving. Uh, I saw what my wife did. She was born in Stockton. Her family was really deep into agriculture. Mm. I'm talking from a kid all the way up to, I mean, till we got married. And you see the lifestyle of migrant families where you move from town to town. You attend different schools. You make different new friends. I shouldn't say different because I'm friends of friend. But you make different friends, and there's no stability, and it's hard. And um, when I met my wife, when we decided to get married, I I told myself, I I don't want to. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a lifestyle that a lot of people choose to live, and I did it. I've done the work. Um, But it just wasn't something that I wanted my kids to be going through. The instability. More more stability for your kids. More stability is what I was looking for, or we wanted. Mm -hmm. So um, long story short, I guess, I mean, I'm kind of going on, but um, uh, Lyle and Sue opened the doors to my wife and I. We got married the second year we met, um, still doing the migrant work, and uh, the opportunity came for full-time work with the Raiders. Lyle and Sue, Raiders. Lyle and Sue, Raiders. Yep. La- the Ra- Raider family. Now Brad. Brad's is, a, yep, Brad's a GM. Yep, he's there. It's still like working with family. Um, but they get open the doors for us. And, and I know I know for a fact the feeling is mutual between us, but uh, I owe a lot to that family. I owe a lot to them. And the opportunity, 
that the Raiders provided to me and my family, my two boys. I have two boys, both graduates out of Linden High School. Um, very proud of those two boys. And my wife, who I, I mean, love to death. I mean, she's, she's what kept, has kept us together. Um, it's never been easy. It's like with any relationship, any work. In life is not easy, but it's what you make of it. So we decided to move up here. And we both said, you know, we're going to do it on our own. And it was not easy. The first few years, it was not easy. What do you mean do it on your own? Do one on your own? We, we, we just got married. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us to be around family was one thing, and that's great. But in my mindset, I wanted to accomplish, there was goals that I had. And goals, honestly, if you set a goal, it kind of sets the bar toward how high you want to get. So goals aren't, nowadays for me, aren't set. It's just continuous progress. You got to keep progressing. You can't... Uh, Stay complacent. So the goal was to move up north and to try to see if we could do it on our own without family help, assistance, none of that stuff. And uh, and we did. We've done it. Uh, and like I said, a big part of that is the Raider family and obviously my wife. But they opened the doors to us and provided a livelihood that a lot of people, I mean, more and more people are seeing it now. Agriculture is not... It's not a hidden world. It's 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 in, it's a part of the huge. It's part of the big picture. I mean, it's our food. I mean, you see what's going on nowadays mm-hmm. with uh, COVID nineteen and, yeah. and and, uh, and 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 what not necessarily what's essential. I consider. I mean, we're all Americans. Everything we do is essential to what we do to our families, for our work, uh, our friends. But um, the Raider family, uh, Lyle Raider. I mean, I love my dad and mom to death. Mom passed away a few years ago, but I still have dad and just seeing how they worked. And I think a big part of work ethic is instilled from your family, from what you see them do. And you carry it on and then you hope that your kids get, you know, it, it, it's just something that you hope carries on. Um, but working with Lyle, I've said it before, a mentor, a teacher, uh, a friend. Um, I can't speak highly enough of what he taught me in raspberries, in farming in general, and in life, to be honest with you. Life, he, I mean, he was a big part of that. Um, to the day, what he taught us, and I say us because it's not a me thing. I mean, it's, it's our, I mean, there's so many people. It goes from the top to bottom, and it's not even top to bottom. It goes from irrigation to plant nutrition to labor to processing, um, he was a big part of it. And to the day, we still use some of the ways of approaching a problem. Um, things aren't the same as when he was around. I mean, we fought a lot of rain back in those days, and it seems like the weather's changed to a little bit drier. Some may debate that the first few days of last year were wet, and we struggled <laughs> right. with mold. But uh, but that's farming. Farming is, uh, I think that's why I do it. I shouldn't say I think. I know that's why I do it, because of the challenges. You know, with people uh, learning together. I mean, we learn something. I mean, I can honestly say every harvest, we end up learning something that we didn't know prior to. And you have to keep that mindset to not be complacent in in agriculture or in life or in anything, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, it, it's, it, we have a great team. I, I enjoy It's not even... Uh, I would, it's a family. It's a Raider family. So you manage the farm, basically. 
I, a lot of ways. You're one of the farm managers or the farm manager? I, What's your position well, now? the farm manager. I'm farm manager. Brad's, uh, is, I mean, if you look at titles, Brad's a GM. I'm the farm manager. We still work side by side making decisions, how we want to do things, logistics. Uh, uh, it's a whole team effort. I mean, there's several. Like I says I can probably spend a couple hours going all <laughs> over the tasks that each individual does yeah. on the farm. How big is the whole crew? Uh, man, it depends. We got a couple of guys in the shop. There's uh, seven operators, well, you know, tractor operators. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's about four of, guys, four of us that help with anything from harvest, irrigation. Uh, I mean, do it all. I mean, there's been discussions on what what a job is on the farm and it's never one thing it's it's 10 different things in one day you know even for myself for Doug's for Riley's for Javier's for Angel's I mean I'm throwing off a few names but there's so many people that are involved in this the guys pruning the guys you know working the dirt I mean applications it's 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 a lot of things how did you get to this position to be leading that kind of a team and you talked about, you know, you just came in off the street, basically. Pretty much. Asking for work. Pretty much. And then you moved up. You know, you were talking about helping unload trucks during season and mm-hmm. whatnot. And you moved up to full time. How did it go from there? How did you, I don't want to put it this way, because I know it's really not how it works in farming, but how did you climb the ladder, so to speak? Honestly, it's, 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 the, um, it's the wanting to learn. It's mm-hmm. the wanting to not just say, well, I'm just going to I'm just going to drive a tractor and I'm going to look straight ahead. There's a chisel behind me and I'm just going straight forward. It's why you drive a tractor and how that tractor works and maintenance and diagnostics of you know, quick I mean, I'm not a mechanic, but we have mechanics and basically seeing why you're ripping dirt, you know, we went from rototilling to cultivating now to chisel points, you know, to keep some integrity of the dirt. It's just one example of how we moved or progressed, but like I said before, I, I give a lot of the knowledge of, of the raspberry industry, blueberries, rhubarb for that matter, to, uh, to Lyle. He, I mean, that's how much, uh, that's how much of an effect, I shouldn't say effects, not the right word I'm looking for, but that's how much involved we were. I mean, mm-hmm. I love my father to death. But honestly, I spent more time with Lyle alongside of him than I did my own father. Mm-hmm. My dad was off working. Right. I was working with Lyle. So it was every morning. It was every after lunch. It was every evening. Um, so he was almost kind of also a father figure. He, he was a father figure. He was a father figure. And, um, and uh, you know, it's one of those persons that has an influ- a, a, a huge impact in your life on why you do what you do. And when you say... Climb the ladder. I think we all climbed the ladder together at the farm there because if we don't have a good year, none of us have a good year. I mean, it's just, we're just working for that year. I mean, with labor shortages, I mean, with uh, the price of berries, I'm not even going to get on that wagon, but um, it's tough. It's tough. And people ask, why do you still do it? And it's just that. It's the... It's the evolving, the learning, the working with people. I think the biggest thing for me is working with the people, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, and it, it, nutrition's in our berry fields, raspberries or blueberries, that's a huge part of uh, 
huge part of daily activities, you know, except for off-season, but that makes a big impact on what that plant's going to do this year and the following year and so on and so on. And one, one decision in, in a field, per se, takes years to see, takes years to come to a conclusion. It, it's not just like, hey, we're going to do this today and see the results tomorrow and hope that you what you're doing is the right thing because it's going to take a few years to backtrack and make that decision right if you made a wrong one. Mm. Um, and that's why, uh, to me, I mean, I respect, you know, universities and, you know, the teaching and all that stuff. I never graduated from college. I never went to college. But I learned everything hands-on. Um uh, and you can almost correlate different crops to the, what we're doing now because it's, it's all life. It's, it, you put something in the ground and you expect to see it and you know there, there's something else that has a hand in that life. So you're putting something in the dirt and you're wanting to see that grow, whether it's a berry, a raspberry, a potato, or an apple, um, there's something else there that, that helps with that. But there again, we can go on for hours talking about other things. Yeah. But uh, it, it, it's, it's just, um, it's a never-ending cycle. It's never boring. You don't do the same things every day. Um, and at the same time, the teachings that Lyle Raider passed on to me, even with these younger folks that come in, um, you pass that along because you want that information to not lose, not be lost somewhere down the line. Because one person worked hard to do it. The next one's doing the same, improving it, so on and so on. It's valuable. I mean, there's, I mean, there's generations of raspberry farmers in this community, and we both know them very well that, that go, you know, Try to improve the last generation, yeah. you know, that kind of deal. It's, I know your dad's been doing the same thing <laughs> that I have, so you can relate to a lot of what, uh, what I'm talking about, and he's a very passionate man himself. Um, uh, it's a, I, mean, I hate to compare it to other industries, but farming's a little different. And, yeah. and uh, to be able to put faces on it and not just what, you know, it's not going to the grocery. I know it's cliche. People say it's not just going to the grocery store. It's, it's not. I mean, it's literally blood, sweat, and tears. I mean, it's it's time. It's time away from family. I've been farming raspberries for 28 years now, and I still don't know what a summer vacation looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not complaining because it's provided for us. Yeah. Uh, but my kids don't know what a summer vacation looks like. Uh, <laughs> You didn't know what a summer vacation looked like for a long time, yeah. probably too. So Yeah, and then when uh, I actually had summer vacations, I, I just couldn't relax because I knew everything was going on back home, and I kind of wanted to be there. As messed up as that sounds, like what? I, one time I went to Hawaii in June or something, and I just <laughs> it felt bizarre to me. And, and, and there is that part of it. And like I mentioned before, I have two boys, and you know, for us, some of the – vacations during the summer we're trying to get away from the farm below the before the fourth of july to go to a state tournament you know little league baseball state tournament yeah. i coached one of the, my youngest one for a few years and um but that was a little getaway and you were you knew darn well we were going to start picking somewhere <laughs> before the fourth and so it was always stressful but uh, uh 
the Raiders, you know, always provided that opportunity. They understood, we all understood that work was our livelihood. But we also understood that our family came first. You know, and to the day it, it came first. There were times that maybe we uh, spent more time out, but, uh, you know, during the summer, like I said, but you try to make it up somewhere along the line. Yeah, we, we and um, growing up on you know my dad's farm, we never even talked about vacation in June and July. That was like you start talking about that maybe the last week of July, you're on the picker yeah. still yeah. or hauling trucks and like ah oh, man, yeah. I can't. We're we're getting close. We can yeah. tell we're well past peak. It's train, but we didn't have blueberries. Yeah, see, either. and that carries on. And then you start angle. Oh man. Let, we need to get out of here. Yeah, yeah. let's let's go camping. Why? Yeah, that sounds yeah. so good right then. It's, it, it's like if you've been hungry all day and you finally get to get. Yep. So it was always August, you know, early August usually. We go we go on a vacation or two, and then you come back and you got to figure out which field you're taking out and you know get back to work. Then there's that part of it. You know, it's like a lot of you know I've had family members or friends say, "Well, you're done with harvest. It's, it's time to time time off." Well, no, it's not. <laughs> you know, you're just getting started. Uh, you just getting uh, preparing the last day of harvest. The, excuse me, the last day of harvest is the first day of the next one. Yeah, you know whether it's ripping out fields and and, and uh, crews of pruning, pulling, tying, arcing, uh, your nutrition program, just uh, dirt work in general. So, I think maybe it's about December. You know, we, yeah. we we've done a pretty good job of shutting down a couple of weeks in December. Uh, but uh, I mean, it's like this time of the year, even when it's raining, there's. There's work out there. There's work preparation. When you guys get your uh, pruning and tying done earlier, too, than my dad does. Yeah. So that's kind of ongoing throughout the winter for him. But you yeah. guys get, usually get that knocked out by what, November? M- middle November. Yeah. Yeah. Lau put, uh, that's one thing about Mr. Raider. He put a couple of time clocks in the back of my head that those, <laughs> those clocks start working. Yeah. And when you start getting close to that deadline, uh, we still, you know, and, and sometimes you feel like... It, the guys that didn't tie, you know, on, on a winter where when you get winter damage or early spring, was it the right thing? And then you can do it the other way, and you know, it's it's a constant. I bug my dad about that. I'm yeah. like, you know, the neighbors <laughs> over there, the Raiders, you know, Juan and his, and they. Well, yeah, I've seen some got all that winter damage <laughs> because you maybe you didn't have them all tied up by you know February when that freak late storm hit you know. A and then years there's ago. a flip year when it's not <laughs> the case, but uh, it, no, it, it it's a challenge. It, it's 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 a it's a fun challenge. Uh, and like I said, it's it's just working with you know people people that have the same passion as you do, and, and that that's different than just punching in the clock and just. Getting eight hours in, it, it it's it's uh, finishing the task. And if not finishing, it's like continuing it the next day until you get it done. Um, but that's a nice thing about it. You, you, it's never the same thing. It's never the same thing. You have to know how plants work to do what you do. It's a big part of it, right? I like to think I do a little bit, yeah. Growing yep. plants. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be passionate about that. Yeah. You've already touched on that. Even like the big picture, like this continual cycle and nature producing food yeah. and how you manage that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how passionate are you about that part of it? That's the, um, that's the one thing that just drives you to be more attentive, to see, to learn uh, and not to be drastic on the changes, you know, whether it's like we, we touched a little bit on plant nutrition. I mean, there's certain things that have to be in balance for something to be uptaken. I mean, you can't just throw 
400 pounds of fertilizer and, and just throw it out there and expect stuff to grow. I mean, stuff yeah. gets tied up, and, and, and it's knowing what ratios, what balances, what – I mean, there's so many things. got to start I mean, thinking about chemistry and you, biology. You, ha- you have to. You, you have to. And, and that's one of the things, even with some of the varieties that were, were you know, the meeker variety was – it's an older variety, and it, it's had it's, – it's a tough crop to grow, as you well know, during a, a rainy season, but – there's newer varieties, and basically, this is the way I look at it: is with these newer varieties, we as a team have to figure out a way to do what farmers, when they were prom- predominantly meeker variety, how they—I'm going to say mastered it, but it's not really mastering; it's learning that variety. And now we're doing that with different varieties, and you can't take a certain practice for granted <laughs> you because can't. you know if the the genetics are different you know correct there's genetics there's nutrition there's balancing there's uh, i mean ph it plays a huge part so i guess my point being is that it it's not just one specific thing it's looking at you know a broad sheet of call them numbers year to year mm-hmm. what you know npk calcium boron sulfur i mean just the entire and following that trend year by year and making adjustments the following year. Uh, you want everything to be in balance because otherwise it's, I mean, it's Mother Nature. You can't defeat Mother Nature. You can help it a little bit, but you cannot defeat it. When you're just talking about the compounds, I mean, we're yeah. finding out more and more. You may have all the right compounds. You may put them on at the right time, all these kinds yeah. of things, but it's so much about the, again, the biology, the bacteria. Yes. The you know fungal colonies and all this stuff that's, virtually a mystery really still even with that part what they know about soil health yeah how much how much is are you getting into that these days um every year more and more every year you're trying you're looking at things that probably 20 years ago 15 years ago we weren't looking at yeah um whether it's a, a, a biological or some something that can be used as a tool in your toolbox and not to say that conventional farming is not the right way. There's ways of doing things, but everything costs money. And I've said it before, you know, price of berries, is, it, it, it doesn't go up with minimum wage. You see, so yeah. it, it's finding that balance and finding tools that you can have in the toolbox from what you've done last year, two years ago, three years ago to try to, I mean, you don't obviously want to keep costs down on everything, you know, on on on, on growing berries. you but you have to find that balance from production to inputs. You know, it's like I tell the guys, you know, the cost per pound, it starts the last day of harvest. You know, we're done with harvest, but then you, your cost per pound starts at that, yeah. on that last day. Um, so how to mitigate some of the huge, I know people is like, oh, you guys are out spraying all the time. Well, we're not, you know. That's part of my job is, 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 as a farm manager to get out there and know when a treatment has to be done. If there's not an issue, we're not addressing it. If there's an issue there, there's, I mean, what's your threshold? When do you start? When do you not do something? So it's a constant. Uh, and there's pros and cons with treating too. There is. There, there is. And that's why I say it's a, uh, you have to continuously better yourself. Yeah. So whether it's reading a book, I mean, there's an old book that I got on my desk. I pulled out last this last winter. Uh, Pete Crandall was one of Lyle's. Have you heard of Pete Crandall? Mm-mm. I know your dad has. Ask him about Pete Pete Crandall. And uh, I mean, a lot of his a lot of his uh, studies from you know a few years back. They they hold true more than P 
people think, even with these newer varieties. Mm. Like I said, I can go on and on, but then I'm a. We won't have time to talk about other things, but <laughs> yeah. So there's there's that part of it. There's, I could tell you, you love the plant stuff. What about another big part of your job, though, is the people. Yeah, you are, you are a manager. You got this whole crew, this whole system uh, yeah. involves a lot of people doing a lot of different things. Correct. How do you approach that? It's um, it's you know people people talk about accountability, right? Accountability this and accountability that. I don't look at I look at accountability a different way. I can't hold you accountable to get up and show up to work. It's not my job to hold you accountable. It, it's it's being surrounded by people with the same mindset. Um, Javier, I mean Javier's been with the, with the farm for over thirty years. There's no one more passionate on the farm, you know, than that guy. That that long of a year and. Doug, Doug's been with us over 13 years. There's a passion in the irrigation, in the setup, in knowing what the irrigation's doing, when it's being done. Are we overwatering? Can we cut back here? What's that soil texture like? Can you back off a little bit there? Can you do more there? Um, Riley, Angel, I've, I mean, I says I've gone through some of the names here, Valentin. There's so many people that have the same passion, and I, I'm not exaggerating when I say that. They, they're the same person, meaning they love what they do. So when you have people, just let's just say that core of people that I just put out there, when you have those, just those specific guys, it helps. It helps. It makes my job easier. Makes it makes their jobs actually more enjoyable because they know what they got to do. Uh, we run over scenarios. Uh, logistics, uh, days, timing, but they have the same passion. So when you have people, when you're surrounded by those kinds of people, it makes my job easier as a farm manager. How do you keep people together and on, on target with that? What do you do to inspire your crew? Try to set the example. Uh, setting the examples of, you know, it's... It's what they see and how you do things that, uh, whether it's problem solving, is how you approach a problem. Uh, and don't get me wrong, through the years, you learn more and more, you know, dealing with, talking to people. It's like you and I. If, if I want to talk to one of our employees the same way I'm talking to you. I don't want to get too high or too low and, and just be a little bit direct in, in what you want done and teaching them in how to do things. Um, I mean, there's not a job on the farm, uh, this specific farm, that I haven't done. I mean, from it's digging a trench to get water out to operating equipment, you know, which it's, you know, speaking of operating equipment, that's my little vacation. I just got done <laughs> prepping 20 acres over on the east side of town, and it's like a little mini vacation getting up on the big tractors and, you know, doing what you, you know, what you want to be doing. It's like you, you can't really hear your phone at those times, yeah. so you don't really have to answer it kind of deal. I love that too. Getting but, <laughs> in the seat of a tractor and just turn the music up and yeah. chilling out for a little bit. But to answer your question, it's just that. It, it's it's being surrounded by people because I can't do it all myself. You know, shop guys can't do it all themselves. So, even you know, shop guys, we, we try to help where we can. You know, if it's, you know, something out in the field, we'll diagnose it. And if it's something Javier, one of us can fix on the field, we leave the mechanics alone. You know, we, we, we're there. We can do it. Time's a big thing. Um, being efficient, 
being efficient with the time is one of the biggest things that I try to talk to the guys about is having a plan. You know, if you don't, if you're questioning what you should do, you know, let's talk about it the previous day. So when the next morning approaches, you have a plan of attack, what you want to do, what time it should be done by, and so on. But uh, it's, 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 it's being surrounded with good people. What about during season when things are real busy and the crew's big? Because it's not just your core <laughs> crew, your full-time yeah. folks. It's the seasonal workers yeah. who are there in the plant and in the field. And, you know, you got high school kids, college kids, migrant workers from all over. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you manage that? What what even on the cultural differences that that can play into how that and, and at the same time you're going full bore. Everybody's working as fast as they can. You're going full bore, but like I said, you the people. I just gave you an example of some of the guys that are full time employees. So there, there's got to be something in it for them. You know, when I say that, it, it's. You, you you have you have to own what you do. You know, just because you're doing this the rest of the year, when it's harvest time, it's what everything, the culmination of everything we've done for those six weeks, seven weeks, it's all chips in. So we'll split up fields um, with uh, being under the supervision of some of these full-time guys. Uh, and then those guys step up, and when I say have ownership in it. It's, it's exactly what I mean. You, this is, we've worked hard for this. This is your part. Uh, this is how we're going to pick. This is rotation. We'll talk, you know, daily. Uh, what the intervals are going to be, uh, logistics, moving of equipment. Uh, and then, so, then it's my job to put on, I don't know, 300 miles a day going from <laughs> <laughs> southeast part of the county to the west part of the county um, but it, it it's not just one person once again it's you know I, I still try to stay on top of pest management nutrition management as you're checking on harvesters seeing what's going on in the field um, but once again it's the entire team all in this is my part of the pie making sure the harvest is at that interval um, so there's one, two, three, four, five, there's six guys that take ownership of all, all the raspberry acreage. Then blueberries come around and some people think of it as a vacation because it's not every, the rotation's not, not as intense. High pressure, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's still high pressure, but it's just a little bit different atmosphere. But no, th- there's ownership there on, by the team. How about... You know, farm workers, the people actually doing the harvest and whatnot. What you're you're managing their managers, right? Their supervisors. What what are you teaching them about the right way to be working with folks? You know, if, for instance, a migrant worker is going to have a different perspective on a lot of this stuff. Yeah, but you come from that background. You that, understand that, that is my background exactly. That it's like with anything. You know, there's there's a huge diversity of people. Uh, language can be a barrier. Uh, so obviously there, you, you know, you want to make sure that communication is key. And I you know, speak English and Spanish. Obviously your supervisors there, you try to instill to those supervisors looking over the people to talk, to respect each other. First of all, respect each other, talk to each other the way you want to be t- spoken to. Uh, but most also importantly is, uh, not just get up on the harvester, check the fruit and that, you know, so on, so on. 
but a lot of it has to do with is is it, what's your harvester speed? You know, what's your head spacing? Is it are those straps too tight? Are you damaging laterals? Are you picking too many greens? And you, I'm doing that as I'm on the harvesters, but that's part of their duties as well. You know, we have uh, kids from Western. We have high school kids from all over the county that come to work on the farm too. And, and uh, we have teams, you know, that, you know, that work in those areas with those students to make sure that we're, you know, obviously sticking by the rules on the time that they can yeah. work and whatnot. Um, and then splitting the shifts accordingly. And then migrant families that come in, most of these migrant families that come in are, are sticking around to prune, pull, tie, and arc the raspberries when the harvest is done. Um, but, but when you go talk about uh, different cultures, it, and it's they're all learning farming. They all know, they're all, you know, get college kids that never been on a farm. Yeah. You know, you get high school students that never been on a farm. There's a lot of family farms in the county, but there's a lot of them that have never been exposed to farming. And for us as farmers, um, it's it's a it's our responsibility to make sure that people know and to teach these students, to teach these college students, to teach the migrant families that. Um, what what farming is? Yeah, it's not just showing up and driving a machine. And, and a lot of them, it's it's a pleasure to see people when you get up on a machine. You get to know them a little bit, and then they start asking questions that um, may seem simple to you know someone that's done it a lot of years. But it, it's valuable in that you're answering those little questions that they're asking, and opening up their eyes to agriculture. And it's not just raspberries. It's yeah. It's it's. Corn, it's wheat, it's potatoes. I mean, it's it's agriculture. It's it's what you're saying may sound obvious to a lot of people too, but there can be a perspective of dealing with that of don't worry about it, just get do what I told you to do yeah. and be done, and that doesn't instill a passion. It doesn't instill a passion, and the other thing is it, productivity doesn't. I mean, <laughs> we've been around people long enough. You talk to someone a certain way, you're not going to get as much out of them as. You know, a quick little, you know, history story. Hey, yeah. this field this, or, you know, that area, that field that, um, or, you know, why we drive one mile an hour. Like, <laughs> man, why can't we go five mile an hour? Well, <laughs> we just went over some of the reasons. Yeah. But just explaining to them and, and having that positive teaching mentality, the attitude goes a long way, you know, especially with the youth, uh, having the patience to teach, uh, you know, I say youth, it's not just the high schoolers, it's the younger employees that are on our farm that we, you know, are full-time. Taking the time to answer questions, and a lot of the times, you know, you're, you're busy, you're busy all, you know, throughout the day, and you may answer a question, like I, a couple of guys, I call it grunt text. Well, I'll just send a text, and it's just two words, and basically it's, but you try to take the time Maybe not that day, maybe not two days from now, but always backtrack and explain to that person why the answer was no, mm -hmm. not just it's no. Well, no, we're not doing, we're not doing it that way, but why? So then when, they, when, you're, when that person is left by themselves, because you can't be with everyone, when that person is left by themselves, it, it, it's a different attitude. It, it, it's like with myself, it's, it, 
when I am taught something or, or you're taught something, it's a different way of thinking because someone actually took the time to explain to you. You're not just sitting there feeling your thumbs like, well, what do I do now? <laughs> you start thinking a little bit more, and, and that's uh, communication's huge. You know, relationships with people, communication, uh, that's a big part of farming. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. Well, like I said earlier, that part of the conversation, this whole first half, really sets the table for what's coming next week. And really where the conversation went after this was not what I expected. Um, We covered some really heavy stuff, um, but with a really positive message from Juan to, again, totally had no idea this was all in his backstory and and didn't expect to be so inspired by the things that he had to say, talking about some huge loss that he experienced in his life and on the farm. Um, and him talking about that brought back some memories for me um, that I haven't really talked about publicly before um, that we got into. And then um, Juan also opened up about some personal demons that he fought after um, that loss. In fact, I have here just a little bit of that conversation to look ahead to next week. When Mr. Raider passed away, that um, the weight of the world was on my shoulder, and there was a way that I had to cope with it even more. Mm. Uh, It wasn't the right way, and um, I talked to people about it, and I'm not embarrassed of it because a lot of us, there's a lot of people that, that face that demon because that's i mean that's what it is it's a demon so totally unexpected but the conversation got really intense and fascinating and again inspiring really even in spite of all the heavy stuff that we ended up talking about so you aren't going to want to miss next week part two with juan garcia farm manager at raider farms here in my hometown linden washington and a farm right close to the farm that I grew up on. Again, uh, this is the Real Food, Real People podcast. My name is Dylan Honkoop. Um, if you're here joining and listening in for the first time, super glad uh, that you're here and, and really would appreciate it if you if you subscribed. Uh, make sure to subscribe to make sure you don't miss next week's episode and, and the second half of this conversation with Juan. Also, would really appreciate a, a share on social media, uh, even just to, you know, to follow us on social media. We're on Facebook and Twitter and um, uh, Instagram as well, Real Food, Real People Podcast. Uh, just search that, and, and it'll take you to us. And if you feel like it, um, shoot me an email. Dylan at realfoodrealpeople.org is the email address. Dylan is spelled D-I-L-L-O-N, very simple. Um, just had a listener last week say, hey, I love what you're doing here. I'd like to support it with a donation, like out of the blue. I haven't even been asking for that. So thank you so much to to all that. And you don't have to give a donation to support, even just subscribing and following us on social media, sharing our stuff is a great way to support what we're trying to do here to connect people with 
not just the food that's grown locally, but the people who bring them that food, who grow that food, the humanity that goes into it and trying to recapture the humanity in our food system. Thank you so much for being with us for this journey. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming, giving a voice to Washington's farm families. Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org and by Dairy Farmers of Washington, supporting Washington dairy farmers, connecting consumers to agriculture, and inspiring the desire for local dairy. Find out more at wadairy.org.